Kindled Podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our donors. If you want to join them in making this show possible, visit kindledpodcast.com slash give. Welcome back to another episode of Kindled Podcast, a show about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. I'm your host, Haley Williams. Join me as I talk with women just like you. They are entrepreneurs, corporate employees, stay-at-home moms, and everything in between. We chat about work, mom life, and how God's grace is transforming us through our unique and beautiful stories. Love for God and perseverance for our assignments is kindled in our hearts as we look to Him and preach the gospel to ourselves and each other. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Kindled. I want to thank the sponsor of this episode, SEO Made Simple. Well, guys, I hope everyone's week is off to a fantastic start. Currently, uh, my husband is hammering away in our uh, master bathroom. We are beginning the stages of a bathroom remodel. I think it's going to be one of those that probably takes like a year and a half to complete because it's a big bathroom and he's one man. (laughs) Although I would love to be able to be more helpful, I'm just limited, I guess, in my skill set and capacity to, you know, rip down tile and drywall and, you know, then redrywall all of the things. And I don't know. I mean, I've helped with bathroom remodels in the past at our old house. And I think I was even like eight months pregnant when we did that. I don't remember. Anyways, so... All of that to say, I will probably be sharing some of the before and after and kind of like the process of that in my stories this week. If you want to, you know, if you're one of those people that likes the the whole renovation process and progress photos, then come join me over there because I'm sure it will be interesting. And you can pray for our marriage as well, that the tension of remodel does not you know, cause too much stress and anxiety between us because that has been known to happen. So anyways, if you're not following me on Instagram, go find me over there at hayleywilliams.kindled. I really love to share all kinds of things, um, especially in my stories. And, you know, I feel like it's just me talking with you guys. And I have found that the audience over there is really engaged. So that's fun for me to get to feel like I'm actually having more of a conversation with you than just talking at you on the podcast. So please find me over there and say hi in messages or in a comment or something. Kindled. So today on Kindled, I am chatting with Jenny Bravo, who is a self-published author. So first off, how awesome is the name Jenny Bravo? I mean, like, that's ridiculously perfect for someone that is a writer. But Jenny and I talked today about how to take the fear out of the writing process and to break the barriers that hold us back from being vulnerable on paper. We talk about her writing and the self-publishing process, as well as how she took a really tough personal experience and turned it into fiction. So if you are a writer or think even that someday you might like to be a writer or tell more of your story, you need to hear what Jenny has to say today. This episode was really fascinating to me as someone who does love writing, but often doesn't make the time or space for it other than my Instagram captions, which is just kind of sad because, you know, that's such a fleeting platform. And um, this this episode encouraged me a lot and, and kind of excited me to uh, made me excited to make it a priority. All right. So now for my conversation with Jenny. Jenny, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk with you and just kind of sit here and have this time together. Yeah, me too. So you you have a really interesting story and you reached out to me and, and told me a little bit about it, but I'm really excited to kind of dig into what it is that you do and learn more about your story. So to kick it off, why don't you introduce yourself and then just kind of tell listeners what you do? Absolutely. So I'm Jenny Bravo, and I am a full-time um, insurance consultant, actually. And then, but for the past five years, I have been self-publishing my own works of fiction on Amazon, and I've actually been um, blogging my journey through that process and keeping track of what's worked for me, what hasn't worked for me. I've always wanted to write books. Um, I actually graduated with a creative writing degree from LSU and I just couldn't get like 
a full story on paper for the longest time. Um, I was trying to make this fantasy novel happen and it was just not, not working the way I wanted it to. And so finally, I kind of realized that I needed to be telling something that was more meaningful to me um, and closer to closer to home with actually real emotion and real, really, you know, personal storytelling behind it. So I had graduated from college and I was uh, having a hard time being separated from my friends. And I actually um, went to Ireland for a summer and was writing there and went to um, Disney to work in the college program right after. And it was just kind of a lot harder than I imagined. So I actually wrote a book about a relationship that I'd had with this boy on and off for about 10 years. And I just kind of dove deep into the hard, that hardship and like the back and forth of it all. And also just into, um, I really covered a lot about my, what that time of life is like that after college life Mm -hmm. that no one really communicates to you how hard it can be. And, um, Mm -hmm. it was kind of a love letter to my friends as well. And, Mm -hmm. um, just really kind of a way of keeping in touch with them without being with them all the time. That's awesome. So you just told us so many things. So I have to go back. Um, So you have a full-time job, day job, but you basically have become a self-published author in the time since you graduated college, which was how long ago? Let's see. I'm 27 now. So that was five years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you started writing right away. Have you always been a writer? Yes, I have. I've always, I've always written and I've never, um, my first full length book that I've finished, completed and published was after college, Mm -hmm. but I have tested, I wrote a lot of short stories in college and I always had big ideas to write a novel, but it was just never, I never really finished anything all the way until after Mm -hmm. college, but I've always been a storyteller and always really, um, been creative. That's really awesome. So tell me about what work looks like. Like you, I mean, you have a full-time job. So how do you, and if someone hasn't gathered yet, you are, you're self-publishing books and you've written several books. Yes. How many, how many have you written? And then how do you have time to do all that? Yes. I've written two um, full length novels and then I've written three like novellas, which are basically just shorter novels. Um, it's kind of an in-between a short story and a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wrote, I recently wrote a book of um, Christmas poetry. Yes. I, wrote, I work a full-time job. I work the typical, the eight, eight mm-hmm. to five. Um, it can be sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, just kind of depends. It's a, it's a very, it can be a flexible schedule, but for the most Mm -hmm. part, it's eight to five. Mm -hmm. And I tend to work in terms of writing. I like to get it done on the weekends. I've learned how to write very quickly and that really helps me. I kind of just really, I know I'm limited on time, which actually Mm -hmm. tends to help me more because I know that, okay, I just, I've got 30 minutes. I've got to sit down and write as much as I can. So I do um, what's called like a writing sprint. So I'll just kind of make sure I'm totally distraction free. I'll put on music and I'll just sit there and write as fast as I can for a set number, a set amount of time, either 30 minutes or whatever I have really. Mm-hmm. And that is how I get my first draft out. And then from there, I just have to keep kind of editing it. And then I'll dedicate one one serious, I'll dedicate a full weekend to editing once my first draft is done. Wow. That's, that's crazy. So how did you find out or learn about self-publishing and how did you get into that? Because that's something that I think is very, well, at least to me anyways, it's kind of an intriguing world and it's something that seems to be exploding. So I'm just curious, like how you, how you got the confidence to actually take that step and go for it and do that and, and take that step that I think so many people probably are like, okay, I know this is possible, but I wouldn't even know where to begin, you know, with this whole journey. Definitely. I had never imagined myself being self-published I always pictured myself doing and doing the, you know, going and getting an editor and getting a full-time publisher and all of that. I even went to, I mean, in college, that's, you know, we had 
specific like classes just set to how to write a query letter and things like that. It wasn't until after I graduated that I really got involved in the writing community online that I started realizing that self-publishing was a really great possibility for me. I loved the idea. I, I had built this really close writing group online, mainly through Twitter is where I found a lot of other Mm -hmm. writers that were kind of around my age or in my genre. And we just kind of connected. And I realized that, that there was this self-publishing thing was an actual, um, an actually great way of getting your books into people's hands quicker. And in, it could be just as great as a traditionally published book. So I um, did some research into it and I found an editor whom I loved and she really helped me shape my book into what it is now. Um, she helped me kind of focus on some ideas and really just get it shine, you know, get it to shine. And then I found a cover designer that I love. So I, I just, the reason I really decided to go that route is because I loved the idea of getting, of having control over, over what I was doing, over what my book looked like, over the words that I picked over the story and, um, and to be able to not have to wait two years for people to read it, to be able to just mm-hmm. write it, get it edited. Once I started writing my novel, I finished it, finished writing it, editing it in eight months. And within a, within a, a year from when I started, it was published. Mm-hmm. So I love that process of it. I love being able to just, I think we live in a world that's moving faster and faster and faster, and it's harder for people to have patience to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's self-publishing is the best way, an ideal way for me at this point mm-hmm. to really write what I want to write. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's interesting. I don't know a lot about the publishing world, but I would, I, I have heard from, you know, some of the podcasts I listen to or the authors that I follow that writing and, and producing a book is just this ginormous undertaking. And it does take a minimum of two years. Um, and of course they do have editors who are, you know, or, you know, kind of like goals from the publisher of like what they're wanting to achieve with that book or what they want it to look like or sound like, like you're saying. Mm. So, when you decided to start pursuing this, you said you found an editor, you found a designer. How did you do that? Like where in the world did you start looking for that? I actually found my editor by Pinterest of all places. Hmm. I just searched for book editors because now there are a lot more resources out there for self-publishing of now they have entire websites dedicated to mm-hmm. finding finding freelance ed- book editors and book right. cover designers. But at the time, it was really limited. So I wound up going on Pinterest and searching for an editor. And I found this freelancer website. And I just kind of looked through some profiles. And um, my editor, like I, her profile really, really stood out to me. And she wound up calling me within the next couple days. And we just really just connected on the phone and she just seemed to absolutely love the project idea. And we just, it just was the perfect fit for me. Mm. And I found my uh, cover designer in the same way, just from Pinterest and searching for book covers that I liked. And I realized that this person was doing freelance projects. And um, so I reached out to her and got that all set up. But now there's, now there are so many websites that it just is way easier to, there's the access is, is much more, is it, it's much easier than it once was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's crazy. So, and, and you're doing it all through Amazon. Is that like, is that exclusively through Amazon or is that just where yes. you get them published? Yes, I exclusively. So that's that's one of the biggest questions that uh, that self publishers kind of have at this point because there's for um, Kindle Unlimited. That's where a lot of self publishers actually put all of their books. They go exclusive with Amazon, and you're able to do things like run promotions on your book. You can do, uh, my book is, you can set your book free for a day or, uh, run like a 99 cent pr- promotion. So it's an Amazon is really, if you're going to be publishing eBooks, Amazon is really just above and beyond where, you know, you're going to be making the bulk of your money. It's not 
it's not always the case. A lot of self-publishers choose to go what they call, they go, they call it going wide. So back going through other platforms like Scribd and iBooks and different things like that. I've tried it both ways. For me at this point, going exclusively with Amazon has been, I've seen the best results for me. I'm not tied to that for all time, but that's where, that's kind of where I'm So is there limitations on your account, like the features you get if you're not exclusive? Yes. In terms of your eBooks, absolutely. And really for self-published authors, that's where they get the most eBooks are the, where you see the most uh, sales. Um, That's Mm. where you can get, because you can price them lower and you actually get more royalty for them because with your paperback options, you know, you have to have the printing, the print on demand cost Mm -hmm. and your, your royalty is a lot lower. So I definitely have paperbacks still because I love having paperbacks and I love reading paperbacks too. But that's, that's where you see it is a lot of the, the return is, is on your eBooks and Mm -hmm. Amazon is just, it's just that Kindle unlimited program uh, is a great asset. Mm-hmm. So Kindle Unlimited, I, I mean, I obviously know what Kindle is, or Kindle is, but, um, yes. but the Unlimited is, mm-hmm. explain that. The, the, so the difference Kindle Unlimited is kind of like, it's as if you have like an Audible for ebooks. So okay. a, I believe it's like $10 a month and you can read an unlimited amount of ebooks within that month. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot, that's where you'll see a lot of self-published books in there. And it's a really good option for people who, who just read really quickly and read a lot. So those are, you'll see that a lot in kind of the, in the romance genre, the thriller genre, things like that. Even, even some in the business uh, genre as well, people who just kind of consume content really quickly and a lot. That's where, um, that's kind of where the self-publishers do really well. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't know about that. I I'm totally an audiobook person. So oh, I too. have audible, but that makes sense. I get it. It's yes. yeah, the, the actual book version of, of audible. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. when you talk about like the idea of having control over what you were doing, what, like, why was that important to you? Because you, you had a concept in mind for your, your project. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume <laughs> before you yes. started writing it. <laughs> So why was that important to you to have that, like that creative control? Definitely. I had, so the book that I wrote was very personal to me. It was based on, on a personal relationship on, I was with this person for 10 years, like on and off. And it was just a very emotional and rocky relationship. And Mm -hmm. I, I wrote it in a way that I just, it felt like when I finished it, it just felt like it was exactly like what it needed to be. It just um, once I was done, I, the idea of giving it to someone and having them want to change it in any major ways was just a scary thought to me. I think mm. with, with any other book I could have, it wouldn't have been as, as much of an emotional investment mm-hmm. for me, I guess you could say. And so I really just, I loved the idea of just kind of leaving it the way it was and knowing that I can still bring in an editor who would work with me and kind of, you know, ultimately I could decide if I wanted to take or leave for suggestions. Uh, Thankfully she had great suggestions and really saw my vision for it. And I didn't need to make any big overhaul changes, but it just was, it was something that I wanted it to be I was scared to put it in someone else's hands. <laughs> so, and it it is kind of not a, it didn't necessarily fit all of the genre, like all of the boxed genres. So it's, it's not a, it's a, it's what they call a new adult uh, romance. So mm-hmm. it's for people um, it's new adult is college age to, I believe it's like the third, like until 30, like 29 but it's told in flashbacks. So it's told in the present day and then flashes back to high school. So a publisher might look at that and say, well, this isn't really a young adult novel, but it's not really a new adult novel because you're using both of the timelines. So, but having both of those timelines are really important because it showed the progression of the relationship and the the time span. So uh, that could be something that people would want to change or try to, you know, mold it to fit into a certain box to sell on a certain shelf. And I just wanted to have something a little bit more 
a little broader than that. I, I find that if you find the right readers and you're able to kind of build that, that community yourself, it's the genre doesn't fully, that kind of comes second to mm-hmm. the actual writing and the, and the message that you're, that you're telling. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, the concept and the message trumps the, you know, the category that the book exactly. might fall into. Exactly. Exactly. So how closely, like how closely does the book mirror your actual story? Cause you obviously wrote this from your own, you know, your own relationship and life mm-hmm. experiences was that like, it sounds like the writing was very much a, a cathartic, like part of your processing of this whole time in your life. Like it was how you were processing it. Oh, absolutely. It really was. And I never, I never set out to write that way. I, I have always in college and in high school, whenever I wrote, I always wrote more books that were not really necessarily based on anything. I mean, definitely every book comes from somewhere, some emotion that you have, some, you know, it's, you know, it's you that you're writing it. So it's, you obviously have a stake in it, but I never expected to write anything so closely to anything that I experienced. There, a lot of the book, the, a lot of the the earlier scenes, like the high school scenes, that is very, very true to life. The later scenes are more, a little more imagined. A lot of the the present day stuff is is in, is you know much more fictionalized and kind of just in a way of wrapping up that, that kind of, like you said, just kind of getting some like getting some closure on that, getting some a little bit of catharsis mm-hmm. there. And uh, I actually wound up writing people enjoyed it so much. And we're asking, I had people asking for a sequel and wanting to know Mm. more. And so I wound up writing a second book. Um, but it's based on another, one of the, the female friends and one of the other friends in the book. And I'll have to be writing a third, the the final book for this year. So Mm. I'll have to be kind of revisiting that a little bit because I know people are kind of wanting to have been really asking me, okay, like what happens here? What is, you know, where do they end up and all of this? So, hmm. wow. That's so interesting. It's been interesting. It's been is a it, process. It, is it weird to like have someone ask you what happens next when you're like, in reality, you're like, that's the end. There is nothing yeah. like nothing else happened. Or I don't know how, uh, how you would respond <laughs> to that. But in my mind, it's like, well, that I just told the story. Like mm-hmm. I'd have to go like imagine what else is happening. How do you respond to something like that? Yeah. Well, it kind of ended in a way that what, like the, it it was the present day was really fictional. It's, it's interesting because it is so interwoven. The fiction is so interwoven with the like reality it's based Mm -hmm. on that it's hard to, it definitely could, you know, I could definitely write more about it. It's just more of the like deciding which way I want to go with it. Cause you're never going to please everybody because some people are like, some people are like, I want it to end this way. They should never talk to each other again. (laughs) Other people are like, Oh, I hope they wind up together. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's just interesting. It's, and you'll have, you have that experience with any type of fiction you write, especially when it comes to series, because you're always going to have somebody that's disappointed in the way, uh, in the way it ends up, but it's, you know, it's important to just stay true to like your own creative process and, and where, where you see, you know, your writing going, mm-hmm. um, while still yeah. keeping your audience in mind too. And, but, um, it's definitely, you definitely kind of, when you're in the writing process, it's good to kind of tune that out a little bit. Right. Yeah. Like you can't be too concerned with what people are wanting or else you're not going to be true to yourself or or what you really need to write. Yeah, exactly. You'll be a little too paralyzed to actually write. Yeah, totally. What mm-hmm. you said it was really emotional. That relationship was like just mm-hmm. kind of a very emotional roller coaster. It sounded like mm-hmm. what about it? And you don't have to go into like full detail or whatever, yeah. but like why, you know, why was it so hard? What, what about that relationship? Like, cause you to like, you know, now write a book about it. I mean, that's obviously yeah. 10 years is a long time and oh, you're 27. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, from experience, I know like when I really, I, I assume it started in high school, like relationships mm-hmm. that start all the way back then, it's like, those are such a part of you because oh, you've yeah. grown up with those, that person, you know, you've yeah. literally like you've aged or, or like matured in the same direction they have. 
aligning your lives almost at least if you're anything like I was like to oh absolutely to be like ready for the next thing with them and then mm-hmm. it, when that falls apart you're like yeah who yeah. am I now you know um anyways yeah. I'm, I'm telling my own story but I would love to know no just- no I completely connect with that I the reason the relationship was so difficult is that it was he was two years older than me. So it was always, I was always playing catch up. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. he went to college. It was very back and forth. He went to college. We broke up. He would show back up and it was very much like I could never, I could never totally sever that bond. I was never fully able to get over it because he might show up again. So he, it was just a, it was just a very, I always felt like a, I felt like I kept waiting around all of the time. And, and it was very, um, we were, were both like, I was a very, you know, we were both very strong person. We fought a lot. And I realized like, as it went on that it was, it was very like emotionally manipulative and emotionally, um, really emotionally uh, abusive in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should have, it was one of those things I was always waiting around and always, I was always asking, you know, praying all of the time of, okay, I would, I pray my constant prayer was, okay, if this is not supposed to happen, please just take him away. Totally. Like, don't let, don't let him come back. And every time he would show back up and it was just, so I would just, you know, I prayed like through, I prayed through those, all of those years, I would pray and pray and pray that, you know, God, if you're, if you don't want me, if you don't want me with him, if you don't want this person, if you don't want this person in my life, then just let him go away. (laughs) Don't let me see him again. Don't, don't bring him around anymore. And, um, or don't, you know, don't let him reach back out or any of that. And every time he would show back up and every time somehow I, you know, my first day of college, I, you know, mm-hmm. 32,000 people and I see him, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, he has a class directly next to my, one of my first classes. So just things like that, that just always felt like almost like, you know, serendipity in a way of like, mm-hmm. okay, but then, you know, trying not to read it as a sign and it can be really confusing and really hard, especially when you're younger of figuring out, okay, what is, what exactly are you trying to tell me, God? Like, what does this mean? How am I supposed to read this? So I think it was definitely for a reason. And I think it'll definitely, it's definitely made me a stronger person. And it has made me, it is definitely giving me a clear idea of what I want as I'm dating. And as I'm, you know, trying to, you know, find that, but that person for me again. Um, but it's, you know, it took a long time and it was, it, you know, just a lot of, a lot of finding a lot of just, we weren't ready. We dove really, really emotionally and, you know, like fell like really quickly and fast and at a young age that I don't think we were really ready for. Yeah. When, when you said like, you didn't know how to read it. So then like, do you, do you know how to read it now? Looking back to, does that, does it make sense to you or, or do you see like his purpose in it at, at this point? You know, I, I do in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, it's still a mystery to me and I'm going to have to, when I meet him, I have a lot of questions for him, but, Mm -hmm. but I think I've seen, I've seen the good that's, that's come from it. And I've seen, you know, I think if that, if something like that were to happen now, I, I would, you know, I would, I would shut that down, you know, if it were, Mm -hmm. if it were as dramatic and as, you know, kind of all over the place now, I would, I would not want a relationship like that at this point in my life. And, and, you know, it's, there's no real use in like looking back and wishing that I would have done something differently or he would have done something differently. But, but it's, you know, there are definitely things that I see of like, okay, this happened for this reason. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, there's some, there are a lot of things there that it's just, you know, it's just, I'm still not sure where, why that happened in that way or why that happened for so long. But I think there's been a lot of healing that's come from it. And that's been just the, the most wonderful part of the, of, of all of it is just, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to go to him and really work through it with God and just have those like Mm -hmm. conversations. And yeah, 
Yeah. And that makes me think uh, we were talking earlier about the the episode that, that Jamie had Lisa Turkhurst on and mm-hmm. she actually mentioned something that was really just resonated a lot with me. Um, she said, you know, redemption and reconciliation don't always hold hands. Mm-hmm. Like God always can redeem the, yeah. the situation, but it doesn't mean you will always reconcile with that person. Yeah. You know, that's, and so that's a good point. yeah, I, I really love that because mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes I can twist those two things together so much that I feel mm-hmm. if there isn't reconciliation, that it isn't redeemed. Right. But that's not true. Like that there is redemption. There there always is redemption. Maybe it's not in the timing or the way that I would see. Um, but the reconciliation piece requires both parties to like to get on the same side of the street and like move towards each other in grace and forgiveness and love and not only is that not always what should happen but the other person or you are not you know guaranteed to take that to make those choices or to take those actions that would require for reconciliation to occur and so yeah i just thought that was a very poignant, you know, way to, to look at like any hard and anything where you've had, you know, a disappointment or life mm-hmm. hasn't gone the way you planned or relationships have broken, like whether it's family or romantic relationships, like what, wherever that is, um, marriages, I mean, you know, redemption is always possible, but the reconciliation piece is, is not a guarantee. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so, that's so insightful. And so, you know, it's just so important to remember Okay, so you guys have heard me talk about my friend Meg Clark of SEO Made Simple. And if you heard last week's episode, you actually learned a lot from Meg about SEO, search engine optimization. But maybe you want to actually have the chance to get some FaceTime with Meg and have her walk you through how to actually do the SEO for your own website. Well, Meg has an upcoming masterclass on SEO for Squarespace, and you're able to get $25 off the $99 price tag when you use the coupon code Kindled at SEOMadeSimple.co. Now in this masterclass, you will learn the three updates that Squarespace made in December of 2018 that greatly impacts SEO, how Google sees your site, how to set up a Squarespace site for SEO success, what metrics you should focus on, what templates in Squarespace are best for SEO, and how to use the Google search console and why you should. You'll also learn how to write amazing meta tags with lots of examples. Now, I know a lot of you are using Squarespace because it's a really user-friendly platform, but I also know that if you have a Squarespace site, you have likely encountered the fact that Squarespace is a little bit of a difficult platform to optimize for search engines. And so a lot of people's complaints with it is that they feel like they don't have as much um, control and power over actually helping their website get found. And I know that because I'm in web design, as I continue to mention, because I'm just so excited that someone is helping people who are um, managing websites, but maybe can't afford those thousands of dollars that it really takes to work with an SEO pro. Meg is the solution, you guys. She's amazing. I went to her SEO workshop last week for WordPress and I learned so much. And I know several of you Kindled listeners did as well. But if you held off because you were worried about not having it apply to you with your Squarespace website, now is the time. Go to Meg's next workshop. It's on March 28th, seomadesimple.co and get $25 off with the code Kindled. Hey guys, I haven't asked this in a while, so I'm going to take a quick second to say, if you love this podcast, would you please leave a five-star review on iTunes? I know every podcast you listen to asks you to do that, but that is because it's one of the simplest and easiest ways that you can help us to get found by other listeners who love this content. And when we get more people listening, we're able to reach more ears, which means we're able to serve more people, which means we're able to grow the platform and and actually fund continuing to publish the show and produce it. So I really, really appreciate you doing that and taking 30 seconds of your day to leave a five-star review. And if you click the five-star rating and then leave some words, that is even more helpful than just leaving a rating. Thank you guys so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. Okay, back to the show. What would you say has been the best thing to come out of writing for you? You know, I think... The best thing that's come out of it for me is seeing how it has the meaning that it's played in other people's lives. I just Mm -hmm. have never 
imagined that. Um, whenever I've imagined writing and being a writer and publishing my books, I guess I just never saw thought of the aftermath of it. I definitely, you know, would picture what a book launch party looked like or picture Mm -hmm. what it would be like to have people buying my books, but I never pictured what it would be like to have someone email me and say, this relationship looks just like something that happened to me. And this actually provided, gave me so much closure or gave me, you know, just bringing, I've had a lot of people come to me with their own personal stories, which I just, I never expected that. And that has been the most rewarding, um, side effect, I guess, of this whole process, because for me, writing really is, it's all about connection and all about telling this really important story. And now it's become more of, okay, telling this important story and then you let it go and you let it be someone else's story. That's the hardest and the best part about writing. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what would you say to someone who's like, oh my gosh, you're speaking, you're, you're reading my mail. I feel like I have a story to tell, mm-hmm. but you know, either she is hesitant because she doesn't have the, the knowledge of the technical side of self-publishing. You know, she doesn't really know how to go about it or worries about being able to stick with a project like this, or just doesn't even really know how this process works of writing a book. I mean, I don't know how that process works and it would be very daunting. I I feel like to sit down without that, like, what would you say practical, maybe we can approach it from like the practical and then more of the, you know, encouragement and and spiritual side too. Uh, But like the, on the practical side, how would you counsel someone who's wanting to investigate, Mm -hmm. you know, starting to write and starting to tell their story? Yeah, of course. So I do get this question a lot. And my first thing would be to tell someone to just start writing first. I think we tend to, and I know I do this all the time. I, I tend to get way ahead of myself and I Mm -hmm. start picturing like, well, if I do this, what if I do this? You know, you go down this pathway and you get so focused on, okay, well, how does self-publishing work and how do I format my book and how do I get a cover designer? And you know, somebody doesn't even have a book written yet. Yeah. <laughs> so my first thing would be to say, focus on, on actually writing your book. And my, my best advice and the best thing that I found for actually writing and finishing a book is write your first draft. Like absolutely no one is going to be reading it because your first draft is mine look like a mess. They're not, Mm -hmm. they're not cohesive. I'll write notes as I'm writing. The biggest thing that keeps people from writing is that they try to be editing as they're writing their book. Yeah. Um, So you might write a sentence and you think, Oh, that didn't sound good. Let me scratch that out and let me go back. And you're never going to write anything that way. That's why I do writing sprints because I just keep myself from actually editing as I'm writing. Mm -hmm. You're basically, as you're writing your first draft, you're just exploring the story and you're, you're, you know, coming up with different ways of what it can look like. And, you know, you're telling the story to yourself Mm -hmm. as it goes on, you can do the editing and cleaning it up and you know what you're saying now. And, you know, you've, you, you're getting closer and closer to the finished product, but I think just the, the hugeness of it is what really can throw people off. And I just would recommend, don't worry, don't think about the whole book, the whole story, just work on a page at a time, work on a scene at a time or a wor- even a word at a time. If that's, that's what gets you writing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the, it can be really daunting, but if you break it down, like anything, um, if you break it down to just its smallest part, you can get yeah. much more done and much quicker. I love what you said about like telling it to yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of like brings you back as the writer to like, why are you doing it? Like your, mm-hmm. your, your own authenticity as a storyteller and, and not writing for your audience, but writing for yourself, like writing, because this is the story that is inside of you or this is your story that you need to tell. Um, and we talk a lot about like stories on Kindled and a lot of podcasts like center around stories because those stories tell us a bigger story. And you know, that's, that's how we learn. That's how we get to know people by, so tell me about yourself. And then you're like, well, this is what happened in my life, you know, and, and right. that's sort of like our framework for 
even relationship, like you said, like your, your goal is connection. But I, I love this, this concept of like doing the next right thing, you know, that mm-hmm. is sort of what you're describing. Like, don't write the entire book, write chapter one or write page mm-hmm. one and just kind of like keep doing the next right thing. I, Cause I feel like anyone can do that now. Like not anyone would say I could write a book, but anyone could say I could write one page, you know? Absolutely. Um, but do you feel like you have to have, this is a question that I really do that I've thought about before. Like, do you, do you have to have the concept or the vision for the book, the theme in mind before you start writing? Because mm-hmm. my understanding, and, and you can correct me is that like, when, like to, to really come up with a good book, at the end of the day, you've got to stay on a, a theme or a topic. Like you can't write everything you know in one book. It can't be all of the things, you know, like typically there's like a, you know, if you're reading a book that's about, um, let's just say like Haley Morgan's book, Preach to Yourself. It's all about mm-hmm. like, how do you preach to yourself? And that's the theme. And so anything that doesn't fall into that theme has to get kicked out if it doesn't support the idea. So then my question is like, well, if I don't know what the idea is, or I'm not clear on the idea, do I just start and kind of see what emerges? Or do I get more clarity on what I want my theme to be first? Yes. So there are two, there are two sides of this. There are, um, there are two different camps, what they call, they call, um, it's kind of like a funny term, but they call them either pantsers or plotters. So there are some people who function much better with a full outline of a book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, they work really well before they even write at all. They'll form this entire outline. Mm -hmm. Then there are pantsers, which is, you know, from the phrase, the flying by, by the seat of your pants. So they're just, there are some people who don't like do not outline at all and just dive in and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, I find most authors tend to kind of be in between both of those. Um, I would say when it comes to when it comes to fiction, I I tend to be more of more on the like pantser side. I don't really like to outline. Um, in fact, like when I write fiction, I don't even write in order. Like I just write as I have scenes that kind of come to me, and then I kind of I kind of arrange it from there. Uh, but that's kind of how I discover where the story is going. But of course, I always have like a vision of kind of what I want it to be. I would say for nonfiction, um, I would say if there's not a very clear idea, um, you know, like you say, some people might go into it having a very clear, like, I want to write a book about, you know, this topic and I know exactly mm-hmm. what that topic is. And I know I'll just, you know, go into it from there, even if they don't know the chapters or whatnot. But I would say if you have, if you're not sure of any idea of exactly how to, what your topic might be, just start writing and see what story you're telling. So I would just say, just start writing, start writing your stories. What stories are really, are really popping out to you and really what story is, especially if it's a nonfiction story and if it's personal or any story, really, you can really pray about it as you're writing, pray about it beforehand and just see, you know, kind of, um, I, Mm -hmm. I personally see writing as a collaboration with the Holy spirit. Um, no matter what, you know, whether I'm writing fiction, whether I'm writing a nonfiction or poetry, you know, I'm, it's not just me. It's, I'm getting a lot of inspiration. So I would say, especially for nonfiction, just see what's, what's coming up for you a lot. See if there Mm -hmm. are a lot of, see if, you know, if a lot of themes are coming up that are the same, even like, you know, you can write a few scenes down, write a few stories, then see how you're telling it. I would, you can, you know, you can have a highlighter and highlight where you're seeing words that are similar. If you keep writing Mm -hmm the word beauty over and over and over again. Well, maybe there's something to that. If you're writing about, you know, more about fear or more about, you know, just, just see where you're kind of, you know, leaning to and, um, and go from there. Yeah. That's really good. That's good advice. I love what you said about the collaboration with the Holy spirit. I've never thought about that. That's cool. Yeah. Do you feel that way even about your fiction work? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I find that, you know, when I'm writing a story, it's, it's really, you know, I'm, I have to learn a lesson from it too. You know, I don't mm-hmm. believe that, that we write just for writing's sake. I mean, 
yes, you can be reading for entertainment and, you know, writing for entertainment. Absolutely. But there's a deeper meaning there. There's a reason why this particular story came into your life at this particular time. I really, uh, my sister and I both really love Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I don't know if you've ever read that. I've heard of it. I've never read it though. Yes. She talks a lot about collaboration with what she calls inspiration. Um, But a lot of people, you know, like we, I would call it the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of, she writes incredible. She, the, her description of what writing is, is just amazing. And she really, she really dives into what it's like to, you know, she believes same as I do that. It's not, you're not the only one at the laptop or on the, you Mm -hmm. know, the pen in your hand. It's it's a collaboration, um, no matter what you're writing. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Do you ever Mm -hmm. struggle with imposter syndrome or kind of like, you know, what, well, I don't know what I'm doing or I don't actually know what I'm writing or I don't know. Does, does that ever as a creative, oh, cause, cause you're totally a creative yeah. person, obviously, cause you are literally creating a story. <laughs> does that ever trip you up or, or stall you? Or have you kind of like mm-hmm. mastered those voices or those, you know, those lies that might emerge? Yeah, it doesn't, it, you know, it hasn't come up for me that often, but it, 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 it does. It, it'll come up for me. It, I usually find it comes up for me when I'm procrastinating and mm-hmm. it's usually when I'm trying, when, when I know I have to write a scene or, or something that is, that is really, that might be hard to write. Maybe it's a like really emotional scene or maybe it's, or maybe I'm just not quite sure where the story is going to be going or, you know, if, if there's any kind of like roadblock that's coming up for me, that's usually where the like doubt kind of creeps in. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll be the, Oh, this for me, it's usually like, Oh, this person has written less books than me and is making more, or this person has written a lot more than me and I should Mm -hmm. be writing more books, you know, just the, all kinds of, there's a, there can definitely be that looking around and seeing what other people are doing kind of thing that can, that can trip you up. Mm-hmm. But I try to stay away from that as I'm in the actual writing process. And then it'll come up sometimes a little bit more when I'm publishing. But um, I think I've surrounded myself with a lot of really great creators and other writers and people that I admire and I have a great support system and people are there that can encourage me when I have those moments. Yeah. That's, I would imagine that's really key because writing is, I mean, kind of an isolating thing because you're, mm-hmm. you're alone. You have to be alone to, you know, really actually do the work. And I, I don't know. I feel like it would, it would feel like you were interacting in, in a way, but you really weren't getting that like, you know, mm-hmm. feedback from anybody. It's just you in your own head that I feel like that would be very hard. And and mm-hmm. in some ways, really exhausting to like be so much in your own head, like because thinking mm-hmm. is thinking exhausts me. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I think myself into circles, and I'm just like, why this is? I'm making mental exercise for myself that I don't need to have. Oh, absolutely, and it can be. It's there's you have to like have check ins with yourself of like, okay, I have to stop doing this right now. Of a, or like, okay, this is just you know this is taking. Mm-hmm a toll on me emotionally because writing is emotional. If you're writing a book, you know, any, any kind of book, any kind of book that's worthwhile, you're going to be dealing with emotions that are tough, that are, that are not always pretty because you're going to be, you know, whether you're writing a nonfiction book where you're diving deep into a difficult time in your life, or if you're writing a fiction book where you're exploring, you know, an emotion that's, you know, that you've, had before, but you might be telling it in a fictionalized way of like fear or anger or anything. It can be, it can be a lot to kind of sit with that. And you're right. You're doing it. You're isolated. You're on your own with that kind of feeling. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's really good to kind of have those moments of like, I need to step away from this and go talk to to someone. And you know, for any, I think that goes definitely with, you know, with writing that can be for any other creative mm-hmm. um, endeavor, whether it's a creative business or art or, you know, anything really, mm-hmm. anything creative, you need to, to get out there and kind of <laughs> yeah, step away from the creativity. Exactly. How has writing impacted your relationship with the Lord? How has that, how has it grown? 
it's actually, it's really strengthened it. And it's actually one of the most beautiful like experiences I've had is like writing this, this Christmas poetry that I wrote for this past Christmas. I, my mom and I had gone, um, we actually went on a pilgrimage to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, doesn't, you wouldn't automatically think, Oh, pilgrimage go to mm-hmm. Wisconsin, but they have, um, two, um, beautiful churches up there. There's I'm Catholic and there's a, there's a beautiful Marian shrine, the two Marian, what they call shrines up there. And, um, so we went and visited and I came back, I've never tried to write any poetry. I mean, I might've tried to write poetry when I was little, but never, I've never been any like seriously thought about writing poetry ever, but I came back from that experience. And within a week I had written this, this poetry, just kind of taking me through the the nativity and um, just through the different, you know, the lenses of the different, the different players in the nativity. And I was done within a week. And I, the next week I just kind of read through it. I made the cover and then I sent it out to get my first, uh, my paperback of it. So it was just a really like, when I was done with it, I really, I just looked at it and I was like, I can't believe this just happened. (laughs) Like it just felt so much of a, just a gift to me really. And it was just an incredible, it it was a really, truly a way of prayer for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for my family members that I gave it to and for friends and, and for other people that had, that had purchased it too of, of just a way of just really like sitting and reflecting and using creative way of really diving deep mm-hmm. into my relationship with God. Yeah, that's really cool. I I did look at a couple of them. It's beautiful. So I, oh, I would imagine that was a very inspirational place to be to yeah. be sitting and writing. And um, what do you what do you feel like has been the hardest part for you about your career that you're you know this? I, I mean, it, it is a career right? You're, you're pursuing a career yeah. in writing. Like what, yes. what's the hardest part about it? You know, I think the hardest part for me is the, actually the, like the lead, the, it's just that one moment of like pressing, like publish and just like mm-hmm. letting it, like just actually letting it go because it's, it's a really strange experience because you spend like eight months or more with this story that's only been yours and you've, you know, been looking at it and reading it and combing through it. And you've just been sitting with this thing for so long by yourself. And then you let that go. And then all of a sudden other people are reading it and it's just the strangest feeling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then to have people kind of, you know, you don't know how people will take it. People might read things one way and other people read things a different way. You know, Mm -hmm. not everyone is going to like it. So, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing that you're going to, it might find its way into the hands of people that are not, you know, are not the target audience, you know, that's, that can be really scary and really daunting, Mm -hmm. but luckily I've found for overall, I have had such a great experience with it and really through social media and through blogging, I've just been able to kind of find my people and find people who enjoy like, my writing voice through like my blog and through my Mm -hmm. social media and tend to, I tend to write in a similar way. And so, um, if they've liked me there, they tend to like the books, which has been really, really awesome. So, but I would say that's the hardest part is that actually the letting go piece of it is really difficult. Oh, I can't imagine. Like, I can't imagine, like, like you said, just being alone with uh, something that you have written for a, a year and then opening that up to other people, like, I, I feel like there would be a part of me that was like, no, I don't want anyone else. Like, this is, yeah. no, I can't, you know, even if, oh, yeah. even if that was your intent all along, I'm sure there's a moment of like, am I seriously going to just let everybody into this? Because it is yes. such an intimate thing to like write a story, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I think to, that's a part of you. It's a piece of you that you are, mm-hmm. you're, you're showing your cards in a way. And, uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would that's imagine that's, it. <laughs> that's very, it's very scary. And I think you, you have to know, you have to know like where your identity is really found to do that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not, and not have it be like in your writing. Absolutely. Your that's is not your, your book. <laughs> yes. That's something that I have to remind myself of all the time. And that's such a good, I'm so glad you said that. Cause it is, it's so, I think we can tend to get really wrapped up, especially if there's something that we're so passionate about and we love mm-hmm. so much, you know, it can be a great tool of growing closer in your faith of 
really pursuing your passion, but it can also be harmful if you're not Mm -hmm. keeping it in check, if you're not Mm -hmm. aligning it with, you know, with your prayer life, with your, with your health, making sure you're you're Mm -hmm. eating well, making sure you're getting sleep, making sure, you know, all of, all of those self-care kind of things. If you're not keeping that in check, it can be detrimental. So it's, it absolutely is so important to, to remind yourself that it is something that you love and it's something that's good, but it's not who you are. Yeah. I just like when you were talking, I got that, like, uh, the visual of like the stereotypical, like writer in a shack in the woods, like in a movie, <laughs> like some guy that like hasn't showered in oh, no yeah. months and he's like got just, you know, a bird living in his hair or something. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's totally, <laughs> totally a stereotype, but like, yeah. I, I get that, you know, you would just get so wrapped up in it and it becomes this like all consuming mm-hmm. thing that is this is all that matters. I have to make this perfect. Like, like we can do with anything. Like I can, I do that with my work, you know, I was going to say, yeah, any creative process, you really, yeah. Difficult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even any work at all. I mean, it's like, it just can become so consuming that, you know, if you lose Mm -hmm. sight of what, what really where you're grounded in, in terms of like your identity and what makes you okay, it isn't, you know, the success of your book or, where you publish or who you're published with or any of that. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about pursuing a traditional publisher someday, or do you love this world of self-publishing mm-hmm. and you just will never leave? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally open to it. It's kind of like one of those things where I, I really believe it's kind of like a book to book basis. Mm-hmm. Like if I found something, um, you know, I've, I've explored the idea of like some nonfiction that, you know, I would think might do really well with mm-hmm. in a traditionally published setting. Um, and yeah, I, I'm definitely open to that. It's kind of, you know, it's just, I kind of just see like where, where the book like goes. Mm-hmm. And if it, if I feel like, you know, I, I think I'll have that kind of moment if, it, yeah. if there's one that would work really well that way. Um, I definitely am open to that as well. That's called, uh, they actually call that hybrid publishing there. That's, that's a lot more common too. You'll see a lot of, a lot of traditionally published authors are now kind of going towards releasing some self-published books and vice versa too. It's just Mm -hmm. a way of kind of keeping your, you know, expanding your audience and, and just kind of, you know, diversifying a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's one more than one way to do a thing. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So that's really awesome. I'm, I appreciate you sharing all of that, um, about your story. The, there's three questions that I ask every guest and I would love to ask them to you. What is your favorite or best efficiency or life tip? So it could be to do with your work or it could be organizing or just like general advice. Yeah, I think so. My, my number one, and I am still working on this constantly and all the time is, is to formulate your goals in, and your, your habits in really tiny ways, just a little at a time. I tend to be kind of this all or nothing personality. Mm-hmm. And so I get these really big ideas and I'm like, I'm going to go do all of these things at one time. And then mm-hmm. I'll just totally just fail at all of them. Yeah. So I've been working on just really creating just a little habit at a time and just sticking with it. So it's even something as small as like I've been working on when I get up in the morning, I will drink a glass of water immediately and just working on things like that, things that are just going to be easy to keep up mm-hmm. and, and can, you know, that you can stay consistent with. So yeah. that's, that's my, my tip. <laughs> it's a good tip for this time of year. Yes. Yeah. People. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally the same way, like all or nothing. And that that's where you run into trouble because our life, like we as people in our lives are just not all or nothing. Like that it's often a little of this, a little of that, you know, it's not, it's not always black and white. Sometimes it's gray. It's like, yes, I am having celery juice for breakfast and I'm also having Chick-fil-A for brunch or for lunch, you know, like exactly. And it's, it should be, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, we tend to think in labels and, Mm -hmm. you know, we try to structure ourselves and we're like, this is good. And that is bad. And it's not, Okay, perfect. So the next question is, um, what do you do for fun? 
Yes. So for fun, I love to, um, I love to hang out with friends and I love to, um, to kind of go around New Orleans and, and just kind of be, you know, kind of be around the city. I love, well, a couple of times we've done, um, my friends and I will go to kind of, we'll go to like a morning mass and then we'll just go to, we have this little like grocery right, right down the street from me. And they have, we'll just kind of sit there and just like have coffee and hang out, just kind of have a little bit of just like girl time, which has been just really awesome. So just, I love, I've been loving just like connecting with, with friends and just kind of hanging out with like just a really awesome group of group of girls. That's awesome. So you're, you're my second guest that's from New Orleans. I had Courtney Elmer on, I don't know. It was like in the team. Yeah. I know her. You do? Oh my gosh. Like in in real life, you know her? Yes. Yes. That is hilarious. How do you guys know each other? I do. She, um, we used to be in choir together actually. Like, a like, what, um, at school? like a, uh, a teen choir. Oh, that's yes. hilarious. Oh my gosh. Yes. I knew her as Courtney Morris. So I keep yeah. like, I forget what her, her married last name is. I'm like, Oh, that's her, that's her name. But yes, I do know. Her. That's, that's hilarious. Well, you can yeah. go listen to her episode if you want. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's so, that's funny. so awesome. So what verse is giving you life right now and why, or it could be just like a passage. Yeah. So I had, I just recently highlighted in, in my, in my Bible app, I got the, um, Mm -hmm. I highlighted, um, Psalm like 145, uh, verse 13. I really liked the, um, I've really been like thinking and meditating on the, the Lord is trustworthy in all his words and loving in all his works. I think I've just been, I've been really drawn to just remembering, you know, uh, remembering just to trust like that, you know, that he has my absolute best interests in mind, even if I don't always think that, that he's doing, if I'm, you know, if I think like, oh, you should be doing it this way or, mm-hmm. you know, I just have to kind of always return to that of, you know, he knows what he's doing and he knows way better than I do what yeah. he's doing and how, you know, amazing life can be. And, you know, he just works in, like it says, just, he's so loving and in his works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that we, we don't always see the why behind the circumstances of our lives, but you know, I, I think we get glimpses, you know, sometimes like, I mean, we don't always get the full picture. Like we don't get that full, the read of of the book cover to cover, but we see like little, we see little vignettes of like, Oh, like that's one way. I mean, like for you, like with that 10 year relationship, I would imagine like that was probably like one of the hardest things you've ever been through like that. And I had a similar relationship that was, I don't remember, like five years. So not even 10 years, but yeah, a long, I mean, a long time. And at the time, like when it fell apart, I was like, this is the worst thing that Mm -hmm. could ever happen. Like I was like, why? Like why this, like, I was like going to marry this person. Like it was terrible, you know, and looking back now, like I can't even imagine if I had gotten my way, like how much different my life would look and how, Mm. how terrible it would be to not have the life I have today, you know? Um, and, and not like, Oh, like everything always works out perfectly. That's, that's Mm -hmm. definitely not what the Bible says. It didn't say like, you always get what you want, you know, like, but like, but he's always doing good for us. He's always working good in our lives if we love him. And yeah. And that's, you know, we, we can trust that. Like we can trust him more than we can trust ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And trusting, you know, that, that even in, even in the hardest of circumstances and even in, you know, in the times where things just seem like just awful that he is able to turn that and use that for something good and something beautiful, no matter how ugly it might seem. That's just been one of the most mm-hmm. incredible things I've seen in my life and in, you know, the lives of the family members and friends, just seeing how, you know, taking these circumstances of like this mm-hmm. 10 year really tough relationship. And then it becomes this book that people have been able to read and connect with and, you know, get some closure for themselves with. And that's just been, you know, something I never would have imagined, but he knew that, that it would work that way all along. So yeah, um, yeah, it's just, he's always, always coming in and trying to, trying to make the, make things new as he says. 
Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Jenny. I, I love, um, love learning more about you and your, your life. It's just really, I'm very impressed with how much you've accomplished at 27. It's pretty, pretty awesome. So I think that your experiences are going to encourage and, and frankly, just inform a lot of people of like what, how they could start pursuing those dreams they might have of writing and telling their story and not letting, not letting like the traditional methods, um, be the reason that they don't do that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was so great to talk with you and I'm so glad I was able to spend this time with you and to really connect and just, it was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Okay, guys. Well, I hope that episode was um, inspirational and and helpful for you. If you are wanting to get writing, just like Jenny said, just start. Start somewhere. Start now. Start with what you have and don't make it some big to-do necessarily in your life that you will do someday, but just start now, early and often. Next week, I'm going to be chatting on the show with Tabitha Pinariso, and she is a wife, a mom, and a writer. I bet a lot of you already follow her on Instagram and enjoy reading her beautiful writing on that platform, which is actually what caused me to reach out to her and ask her to come on the show because of one post that she wrote that just really struck a chord with me. So I'm excited to share that conversation with you next week. So come on back to Kindled next Monday. Have a great week, you guys. Bye.